Hey, fellow Boundary Breakers, if your current delegation systems are not working to get you out of the day-to-day in your business, there is an exercise on our website that is the first step to get you out of the delegation catch-22. I'm going to throw the link in the show notes for you to go ahead and download. It is so important to have people in your business that get it, that get their role and understand how they function within your organization. Like what is their piece of it? Because when people get it, when your employees get it, they don't need to be told what to do because they already know what to do. Welcome to another episode of Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. I'm your host, Casey Gromer. I am the founder of She Sweet Boutique. With over 20 years of marketing and business management experience, I work with small businesses and female founders using our signature business blueprint. On the show, you get tools, advice, resources, support, and encouragement that resonates with the modern businesswoman. So, fellow boundary breakers, let's dive in. Hello, fellow Boundary Breakers, and welcome to another episode of Female Founders Breaking Boundaries podcast. I'm your host, Casey Gromer, and today I am recording with you from my master bedroom closet. I was all set to go to the office today, and I got a call from the school with a sick kid with a tummy ache, and so here I am uh, looking at all the clothes that I have that I don't wear anymore. Today on the podcast, we're going to be lifting up Melissa Urban, who is the co-founder of Whole30 and the author of a brand new book called The Book of Boundaries, which I am super excited to share with you. We're going to then dive into the topic today all about hiring the right people or putting people in place who, quote, get it. And then finally, we're going to wrap up with what's on my mind outside of business. Before we jump into the Book of Boundaries with Melissa Urban, I wanted to let you know that we are going to be bringing on more fractional integrators to C-Suite Boutique. We are officially at capacity, and it is time, it is my desire to make sure that other women in business get to the place that our clients are, which is the point where the business is functioning and running and they need to find space in their business and in their lives. And so we're going to be bringing that service to more women-owned businesses. So stay tuned for more news about who exactly we'll be bringing on and when you can book with us to get out of the day-to-day in your business. Let's talk about Melissa Urban. I have talked about Melissa Urban a lot on the podcast. She is one of my favorite influencers. She has written several books, but her most recent book is The Book of Boundaries. She is the co-founder of The Whole30 and New York Times bestselling author, She's a mother, a podcast host, a nature churchgoer, which I think I've talked about on the podcast before. She has hashtag church, 
where she will go out into nature. She lives in Utah. She does some hiking, and she talks about how that brings her closer to her God. And then she's also a boundary wizard, hence the book, The Book of Boundaries. She started her health and wellness journey about 21 years ago. She talks a lot about being an addict and a recovering addict. So she shares a lot about that and her journey with that. And that led to her creation of the Whole30 in 2009. It is not a diet. It is a 30-day reset, and it has changed millions of lives all over the world. Through the creation and the development and the support of Whole30, she's found an avenue to empower people to look at their own stories, to find their own voices, and to set and hold boundaries so that they can step into their own power. If you are interested in hearing more from Melissa Urban, you will find her on her Instagram, which is where I actively follow her. She talks about so much more than just food. She talks about boundaries. She talks about healthy mental wellness. She talks about fitness. She talks about life in general. And I would be remiss if I didn't encourage you to go buy her book of boundaries. The book of boundaries was developed through her own experiences on setting kind but clear boundaries so we can protect not only ourselves and our own mental capacity, but we can protect our relationships with other people. There are over 130 scripts in the Book of Boundaries to help your mental health, increase your energy, improve your productivity, and maintain healthy relationships. All of the links to connect with Melissa are going to be in the show notes. And I will tell you, one of the things I'm frequently Googling from Melissa is about her hiking gear. So she does a lot of writing. And so you might want to subscribe to her newsletter. But one of the things that she shares is all of the gear she wears when she's out hiking. And I have a trip to Utah planned in May. And I have uh, looked at her list several times to make sure that I show up to Utah and I am prepared for a fabulous hiking experience. It is time to get to our content for today. We are wanting to get the right people in place in your business. And how we know that those are the right people are because they, quote, get it. What do I mean by get it? When someone gets it, they understand the expectations of the role they are being hired for. And that seems so intuitive. And yet, I see so many people either hiring somebody who has no idea what they're doing, or somebody who comes into a role and waits to be handheld and told exactly what to do. Neither of these situations is helpful. So, Understanding the expectations of the role means that they have the skill set, 
that you need or the ability to quickly develop the skill set. So not only to just complete the tasks that you're needing completed, but they need the skills to be able to completely own and control that function or that role that they're being hired into. That means that they will be good at making decisions with minimal oversight. That means that they are capable of thinking strategically about their role and what it is they do and how they're contributing to the success of their role and to your company, and that they can actually perform. So not only do they have to do all of that, but they also have to get results. And those results are going to be whatever is defined by your metrics or your scorecard, which we will talk a little bit more about in a second. Getting it also means that not only do they understand and can fulfill the role that you're hiring them for, but they also understand the mission and values of the company because they have to be able to connect what it is they do for you to the outcome that your business is trying to achieve. So that means they're going to be thinking and acting in alignment with the values of your company. And a good example of this is, you know, this is one that comes up frequently when we have team player or some, you know, form of team player is one of the values of a lot of businesses because it means working together. It means everybody is pulling their weight. It means that we are all in it together. So if team player is one of your core values, but you have an employee who has is very competitive by nature and is always trying to outdo somebody or get ahead individually, or they're more concerned about their own success versus the success of their teammates or the company itself, then they are not in alignment with your core values. And that means they don't quite get it, like what they are here to do. Getting it also means that they are passionate about creating results for the company that achieves the vision and mission. And this is where they have to be able to connect what they're doing to the vision and mission. Like what part of that do they play and can they do it well? It is so important to have people in your business that get it, that get their role and understand how they function within your organization. Like what is their piece of it? Because when people get it, when your employees get it, They don't need to be told what to do because they already know what to do. They don't have to be babysat, which means that you or one of their managers or another team member does not need to stand over top of them and constantly tell them what they need to do next or remind them when it's time to do one of their tasks. It's also important because this employee or your employees that get it are going to be consistently hitting their performance targets. And if they're not consistently hitting performance targets, or if those performance targets are off a time or two, they are going to know when and which levers to pull to change the direction of that performance. And what I mean by performance targets is 
Let's say you have somebody with a role in marketing. The role of marketing is to generate leads for the company. So if one of their performance targets is the number of leads that were generated in a time period, whether it's in a week or within a month, and you know how many leads you need to bring in to hit revenue goals, and those leads are not coming in, your marketing person gets it. They get what they're doing, and they're looking at what they're doing, and they're saying, you know, we need to pull this lever. We need to put more money into advertising, or we need to expand our audience, or we need to experiment with this social media, or we need to send more emails. They know what levers they have to pull, and they can start pulling those levers to get those targets to come back up without you having to tell them what needs to be done. It's also important to have employees that get it because then they are actively contributing and providing suggestions and recommendations for the improvement of the business. So back in the example of marketing, they're going to come to the table with, you know, if we were only able to do this, we could do XYZ as a result. And if XYZ is an improvement for the company, then your marketing person is contributing to those ideas and participating in the success of your business. That is somebody who gets it. Putting people in place who get their role and are capable of owning their role provide incredible value for the company. It is going to mean less time from you. So you're not going to be managing and babysitting people for the most part because they are going to be capable and skilled at doing their jobs without oversight from you. So you're going to be spending less time overseeing, not only overseeing the employees, but overseeing the metrics and the results from your business because you can trust they are looking at those metrics and maintaining them. You're going to operate way more efficiently. So if you're bringing in people who don't get it, they might cost you less money, but you're going to be spending more time. So you might need more of those least costly people because half the time they're not going to be doing what they're supposed to be doing. And so you need to hire somebody else to do the stuff they can't do. And you're going to need to hire somebody else and somebody else. And before long, it's way cheaper for you to just hire somebody that can do the whole thing and do it well. And you're going to operate more efficiently, meaning things are going to be more smooth. Things are going to happen faster. Things are going to be more accurate things are going to be better quality when you have people in place who get it. So that also means that you're going to get to your goals more quickly. So you might notice if you are setting 90-day goals like we do with my clients, and it's taking you multiple rounds of 90 days to hit a goal with your current staff, whereas if you're putting people in place who get it, you might be able to hit multiple goals in 90 days because things are operating more effectively. And finally, we're going to be looking at profit. If all of these things are in alignment, you're performing better, you're more efficient, you are growing faster, your profit is going to improve because you're going to have lower overhead and more output. I don't think I'm telling you anything that you don't already know. So the challenge then is finding people 
who get it. And this is where I think many of us are struggling. And I don't know about you. Is that a challenge for you? Is finding the right people who get it. And I'm going to give you some ideas for how to go about attracting or finding the people that you need. And the first place it starts is knowing who you need to hire. This is the hard part. This is the part where I see a lot of businesses struggling because you're hiring people that don't fully understand what purpose or function that you need to have filled. So what's happening is a lot of women are hiring and they're finding a warm body to do stuff because they know there's stuff that needs to get done. And so we're just going to bring somebody in. We're just going to start throwing stuff at them. And it's very random and it's very task oriented. It's just like, oh, here's a task. Oh, there's a task. Oh, here's a task. And we just need somebody to do those tasks. So that is one strategy that's not working. So what we're going to do instead of doing that is we're going to default to the accountability chart, which I talked about in almost every episode. So I'm going to direct you back again to episode number 39. It's called Accountability is Key. That's going to give you everything you know to outline your own accountability chart. But The reason the accountability chart is so effective is because we're going to go through your business and we're going to outline all of the processes, not tasks. We're going to outline all of the processes that need to get done or that are important to the success or the maintenance of your business. And you're going to decide who's accountable for each of those processes. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the person that's accountable is doing all of the work. It just means the person that is accountable is making sure that process gets done and gets done well, whether it's divided between multiple people or not. So write down all of the processes in your business, decide who's accountable for that process. And if you have processes that do not have a name next to them for accountability, or if you have someone who has too many processes and no capacity to do it all, that is where your gaps are. And that tells you who you need to hire. The accountability chart then is going to help you communicate very clearly to whatever candidate that you are looking for what they are going to be responsible for and what processes they are going to own, and then what responsibilities are going to fall underneath that process. So once you have the position or the gaps that you need to fill, another thing that's really going to help you find the right person, the right fit for that role, is to understand what success in that role looks like. Why does that role exist in your business and how do you quantify whether it's working or not? So this is what we call our dashboard. I've referred to it as the scorecard. I've referred to it as your metrics. Some people call it KPIs. Either way, go back and listen to episode 45 called Tracking Your Metrics. It's going to tell you what goes into defining a scorecard and how you come up with those metrics. 
But the scorecard is really what defines the purpose of the role, like I said. So what is it that you can track or measure that indicates that role is successful or that what the person is doing is working? So an example of this, we're going to go back to that marketing example of tracking leads. So if you're hiring somebody to oversee the marketing process and we know that the purpose of marketing is to bring leads into the business, you're going to be tracking leads. And then when you're going out to find someone to fill that gap in your business, the marketing gap, you're going to tell them, I need you to bring leads into the company. That's how your performance is going to be measured. Do you know how to do that, basically? And so that is going to be one of the ways that you can make sure this person understands. It's not as important to me that you know how to send emails. It's not as important to me that you can post to social media. What I need to know is if what you do in the email and what you do on social media brings leads into the company. So that's a little bit different than the way some of you might be looking at that. So now that we know what the gap is that needs to be filled and what those responsibilities are and how that's going to be measured or what the purpose of that is, we need to create a job description. And here's another thing that I see happening is our job descriptions are either very general because we were wanting to try to reach as many applicants as possible so we can sift through them and find a good one. So they're either too general or they're very task-oriented versus accountability-oriented. I have an episode out there. It's episode 83, Using Job Descriptions to Attract the Right Talent. This will walk you through all of the sections and components of the job descriptions we write to recruit talent and what goes into each of those sections. So don't compromise. Do not write a very generic job description. Get very specific. Picture in your head, who is the ideal candidate for this position? Who is it? Who's the one person I want sitting in this role? Write that down and put it in your job description. What that's going to do for you is not only help you get clear on what the perfect candidate looks like, but your job description is going to stand out because that candidate is either going to say, this is the perfect fit for me because I am that person, or they're going to be pretty darn close. And that feels comfortable to them and they're going to apply for the job. Whereas if your job description is too general, they can't see themselves in that position because they don't really understand what's being asked of them and what the job entails because it's too generic. And they're either going to apply not having the skills that you need because they're like, I have no idea what kind of skills this person needs because the job description is too generic, or they're not going to apply because they're like, I don't want to take my chances of getting hired for a position that is going to be stressful to me or that I can't do. So get specific. And in the job description, you're going to include all of the responsibilities that you outlined from your accountability chart. You're going to describe the role, the responsibilities, the processes that person is going to be accountable for. And you're even going to tell them in the job description how they're going to be measured. So 
you're going to say that this role is accountable for driving leads for the company. So that person knows up front, if I know how to do this, I should apply. If I do not have a proven track record of driving leads, then this job is probably not for me. One other thing you might consider in attracting the right person is when I said you want to describe the ideal candidate in your job description, I mean describe them. So beyond the roles and responsibilities, what innate traits and qualities does that person have that are going to contribute to success in this role? And some of those traits and qualities are going to be driven by your values So if you look at your company core values, ask yourself, what traits and qualities do people possess that represent these values and these qualities that they need to have? And then also what traits and qualities are needed for this role? In a sales role, for example, communication skills or writing skills might be necessary. And you'll need to tell them, you need to be able to write well and write professionally because you're going to be doing this and this is necessary. And so some of those things come naturally to people so they can't be learned. And that's why we're calling them innate. Okay, the last thing that you are going to want to use to make sure that who you are hiring gets it before you put out an offer for them is the interview and the interview questions. And I think everybody conducts interviews differently. There's a lot of ways to effectively conduct an interview. So I'm not going to pretend that what I'm telling you here is the gold standard. But here are some of the ways that you can tease out in an interview whether somebody gets it or not. We want to ask some open-ended questions in the interview that allow that candidate to demonstrate that they have a working knowledge of the role. And some of the things I like to do are ask them how they would go about doing X, Y, and Z. So instead of asking them whether they know how to do something, I give them a scenario and I want them to explain to me, what's the process that you use to do this? And and what that helps me understand is how that person thinks about doing their job and how they walk through making decisions and thinking strategically and getting something done. And their thought processes are what tells me they get it, right? Or they don't get it. If they can't answer that question, that's a a good indication that they're not quite sure how to approach it because they don't know how to do it. The other thing that you might ask them is, in this situation, what would you do? So give them a dummy, give them a scenario, basically, and ask them what they would do or how they would make a decision. So they can walk you through their strategic thought process in how they make decisions. And what this is going to tell you is what are the things they're thinking about when they're making decisions about what levers to pull or what needs to happen next or what recommendations they would make. If they can't answer this question easily, it's because they don't know what to think about and they and they don't have that skill level. And if they do have that skill level, they're going to be able to tell you things like, well, first I would consider this and then I would gather this information and this is how I would go about making that decision. That's going to be super important. 
And then the other thing that you might consider talking to them about is when you think about the scorecard and what their purpose is and what they're accountable for, ask them how they would go about getting those results. So for example, in our marketing example, we're talking about getting leads. We could ask them, what are some of the ways that you might go about generating leads for XYZ project or for you know the company? And then maybe you can ask them, let's say leads are down. How would you go about improving that? And that's when they could demonstrate to you the thought process they would use for trying to figure out Um, how to fix a problem. So this is going to tell you whether they get it or not. Hopefully, this was some good information for you so that the next time you are noticing a gap in the business or trying to plug a hole in the business and you're needing to bring on people who are actually going to take work off of your plate or the plate of someone else on your team, implement some of these suggestions and really find somebody who's going to be a valuable asset to you. What is on my mind outside of business this week? I hope I haven't talked about this before. Um, And if I have, it's worth talking about again, because I've actually talked to a few people within the last week or two about this. So I thought maybe it's a good idea to bring it up again. But I came across an article. I don't know how fresh it is. It might be a really old article, but it was in Psychology Today. And the title of the article is, Are Mental Disorders Evolved Cognitive Styles? The reason this caught my eye is because many of the women we support here have diagnosed ADHD. I know this because they tell me they're very open about it. And I think about this a lot because it's in my family. My daughter has it. My ex-husband had it. And as I've come to get very close to our clients and develop the systems for supporting them and being the yin to their yang and doing that same thing for my kids, I'm recognizing and I'm thinking to myself that this isn't a disability. It's not a disorder to me. It is just simply a different way of functioning. So the brain is functioning differently not necessarily disordered, because what I see coming from these supposed ADHD disorders is very creative thinking, very fabulous ideas, like life-changing, community-changing ideas for new products, for new projects, for ways that we can question the status quo. And it made me think about, okay, so if ADHD isn't a disorder, and it's just a different way of thinking, and if all we simply have to do as neurotypical people is adjust how we work with people who think differently, what other situations are out there that kind of function the same way. And then I started thinking about autism. And it's kind of the same thing 
with autism. And I don't know anybody personally with autism. I haven't worked very closely with them. But from what I understand, autistic people are brilliant in some cases, and their brains just function differently. And if we understood more about the way those brains function, could we tease that brilliance out of them and really use that to the advantage of society and relationships? In fact, I can't remember where I saw this information, but I think it was an experiment. A couple of companies are trying this out where they're hiring neurodivergent thinkers like people with autism or ADHD or, you know, somebody who thinks a little bit differently. And they, instead of making those employees conform to the standards of, you know, how the rest of the the office functions, they're making changes for that person that will kind of support the way they think. And what they're finding is that those neurodivergent thinkers are contributing tons of valuable output to those companies. And I think one of the examples was in software, for example, or software development. So someone with autism who is absolutely just brilliant at writing code or, you know, whatever, I can't remember specifically, but something like that. So just by changing the way they function with that person or ask that person to function within the organization and give them a little bit more freedom to operate and think the way that works best for them, they have been making life-changing progress in whatever business it was, whatever they were developing at the time. So my challenge to you, I think this week, is to Go through your Rolodex and think about who you know or who is in your life that might be one of these people, whether they're diagnosed or they have a supposed disability or um, they're neurodivergent, and ask yourself, what if it's not them? What if it's me? What if they are perfectly normal and they have perfectly normal brains and those brains just function differently? than mine? And what if I approached it that way and gave them the space and the opportunity to think the way they best function? What would the outcome of that be? What positive things would come from that? And how would that change my relationship with that person? Just as a side, we celebrate ADHD and and neurodivergent thinking here at C-Suite Boutique. In fact, I prefer working with people with ADHD because if you have ADHD, you are amazing. You are brilliant. And I need you. (laughs) I need you because I don't think that way. And I can't function with someone who thinks exactly like me. There's no vision there. There's no forward momentum. I need people who think differently than me to give me that vision and those ideas so that I have something that I'm looking ahead at, that forward momentum. And also, if you're a neurodivergent thinker, you're you're going to find hell a lot of value 
in working with someone like me, because I'm going to bring order to your chaos. I'm going to bring function to your dysfunction. And I am going to bring calm to the anxiety. Okay. So that wraps up today's episode of Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. This was a fun one to record. I hope you got a lot out of it. Like I said, we are expanding. We are bringing on more fractional integrators. So if you are looking for support, there's a few different ways that you can connect with us. Go to our website at c-suiteboutique.com. Check out all the ways you can work with us. If there's something there that you have questions about or you want to explore, go ahead and contact us and get on my calendar and we'll sit down and have a little chat about what you're thinking you need support in right now and what are the best ways for us to work together with you. Honey, what is it that you wanted to tell our listeners today? Get out there and break some boundaries and do it for me and my generation. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. If you enjoyed this episode, would you be willing to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in? You can connect with me on LinkedIn using the link in the show notes. And until next week, Don't be afraid to get out there and break some boundaries.